Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to episode 52 of the Brain Food Podcast. I'm Casey Thomas and I just realized that that means this is our one year anniversary on this podcast. (laughs) I can't believe it's been going on this long and I didn't plan anything special for you guys. Today was actually just going to be a quick rant about some topics relating to nutrition research because I was a speaker at a conference this last week, which was super fun. It was a blast. It was the Supply Side West Expo, and there was a panel dealing specifically with esports. And so we had, in the first panel, we had the research panel, which I was a part of, and I was talking with some of the fellow uh, panelists and they're, they're PhDs and they're big time. They're awesome. <laughs> One of them was just talking to me about some issues with the study that she had to do. I'm not going to name names or anything, but there were some concerns regarding industry sponsorship and how the design of the study was created. So Anyway, that's what I want to talk to you about today is (laughs) just some nutrition research ranting and ramblings, and next week we will dive back in into some more classical nutrition topics, but I I do think that this is relevant because I think this is stuff that you guys should know as far as what's going on in the industry today. So let's, I mean, let's just get into it. So this is a trick that researchers are using to scam people. Okay, And it might not be the researchers. There's a lot of people who have their hands on how research is done. And so it's hard to say whose fault it is, but really this strategy is used quite regularly in nutrition research to scam people. And here's how it works. So let's say I design a new supplement, Supplement X. And what I do is I do a bunch of tests to start things off before I have given you supplement X. Let's say it's some new stress-reducing, memory-enhancing supplement, okay? And so I do some tests on you, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, we're showing some baseline level of stress and some baseline level of memory. Now I give you the supplement, okay? I start giving you the supplement, and let's say one month later or whatever, I have you come back in and repeat those exact same tests, okay? So now I'm going to measure how stressed out are you and is your memory any better? Are you you better at these cognitive tests that I'm giving you? And lo and behold, Supplement X that I designed is able to reduce your stress and enhance your memory significantly based on the data compared to your baseline numbers, okay? So the post numbers, the numbers after the supplement are better than they were before the supplement. So I go to my marketing team and we sell this right away and everybody loves it. It's amazing. Okay. You're probably thinking, okay, this, this sounds good. Is this a real supplement? Uh, no, I just made it up off the top of my head. But the, the important thing is that this study design is incredibly flawed. All right. If you are comparing yourself to your baseline data, that's fine and dandy, but it doesn't really tell you anything because you don't know if the changes are a result of something else that you did in the study or some third variable, 
or if they are a direct result of the supplement that I provided. This is why we include placebos in our research trials. Okay, we include placebos for a reason. You can't just compare it to yourself. And so here's here's in this in this uh, fictional supplement example. You know, I said, okay, it's going to reduce stress. Well. You can imagine that the very first time you do something, the very first time you show up in a new location, you're very nervous about it, right? You're stressed out and it's scary. And the more exposures you have to it, presumably it becomes less of a stressor to you. So the second visit should be less stressful to these research participants naturally, just because they're getting more comfortable in the lab setting. Similarly, anytime you have a brain game, there's a learning effect that occurs, right? So if you are tested on day one, and then you're retested at some future day, you would hope that you would do better naturally just because you learned a little bit, right? So if you're just comparing to baseline data, it doesn't really tell you anything. Uh, and, and there could be other variables too, right? Like maybe the researcher is a big old scary guy who's super intimidating, all right? Maybe that's causing a stress response. Maybe the temperature in the room, you know, was was set at different temperatures depending on which day you went in. Uh, there could be a million and one factors that can influence how someone did in a research study. And the only way to account for a lot of that is to, is to administer a placebo. So placebo effect is legit, okay? And this is <laughs> very well documented, and we've done a podcast episode on this before. So please go listen to it if you have not already. But if both the supplement and placebo show significant improvements in the same metric, then what that means is that something else must be going on, right? So let's say stress was reduced and memory was enhanced, but placebo also had reduced stress and also had improved memory. Well, what that means is your supplement is no better than placebo, okay? Which, if you're trying to design a supplement, that should be, uh, you know, kind of the bar, right? Your bar should be, is my supplement actually better than placebo or not? And that's really, at the end of the day, that's all that really matters. So why I'm getting worked up about this is because I have seen a couple studies, and one study in particular recently, which really got me agitated, where this particular research study, again, I'm not going to name names or anything like that, but this particular research study in examining a supplemental formula, they did include a placebo group. Okay, so they had, they had a placebo group and they had a treatment group. And I was like, this is awesome. This is great. This is going to be amazing to, to see what the results are of this study. I'm very hyped. But then what happened was when you read the results section, in almost every single variable, the supplement was no better than placebo, right? It was no better than placebo. Both of them saw improvements in almost, almost all of the same variables. And then when you go to the discussion section, what they do is they say, they say our results were X percent better than baseline. And they just ignore the fact that it was not significant relative to placebo. It was only significant relative to itself. <laughs> and so they just completely ignored the fact that they'd used a placebo in this study, which as they should have done, but because the results didn't support, you know, this wasn't, so I will say this was an industry funded study. And because the industry wanted the results to be favorable, they had to do some fancy footwork here to 
make it appear as though their supplement was actually doing stuff when it was not. Okay, so what they did was they chose to highlight the fact that it was so-and-so better than baseline and not bring up the fact, they kind of sweep under the rug, that their, their supplement was no better than placebo. Okay, so that's that gets me a little bit aggravated. Normally, when there is industry sponsorship, and as you know, in research, I'm a big fan of industry sponsorship. I think that if you design a supplement, no one is going to bankroll your research study. I have a lot of respect for companies that are willing to put their money where their mouth is and do a clinical trial investigating their compound to see if it really is efficacious. And so the problem I have with this is that in this particular instance, not only did the industry fund the study, but they also designed the study. And let me tell you, it is very easy to show whatever results you want to show, depending on either how you set up the study or in your statistical analyses. So I'm a fan of industry sponsorship. I'm a fan of industry funding, but I'm not a fan of industry design. Okay, you should let the researchers design the study, make sure that it is rigorous and that it is truthful and has integrity because this is... This is part of the problem, and this when you, when you have this going on, this adds to the misinformation, this adds to the confusion, and this helps contribute to the lack of credibility in the research industry. And that just makes me sad because I love research, and I really want it to be upheld to the highest standards. So industry sponsorship, a good thing. Industry designing studies, probably a bad thing, Okay. <laughs> And so the other thing that I want to also just quickly highlight here, I mentioned, you know, some statistical fancy footwork here. This is another trick that people and researchers and study designers can do in order to force there to be a a positive result. And how it works is you just have to test a bunch of metrics. And here's, here's what I mean by that. Let's go back to stats. Okay, let's go back to statistics. Hopefully you've taken a basic stats class. There's something called a p-value, all right? And in practical terms, what a p-value is, it's telling you the likelihood that your result is legitimate. So if you set a p-value to 0.05, which is what is industry standard, what that means is there is a 95% chance that your result is legitimate Another way to say it is there's a 5% chance, 0.05, there's a 5% chance that your result is testing positive simply due to random chance. Okay, so you're 95% confident that this result is legit, and there's a potential 5% chance that this result is not legit. It's just due to chance. If you test enough things, then by chance some things are going to have a false positive, right? So if there's a 5% chance that the results are going to be a false positive, all you have to do is test 20 things. If you test 20 things, then one of those by chance is going to flag as a false positive. And there's a funny XKCD comic that is, you know, the jelly bean phenomenon. And what they, (laughs) what it shows is like the public comes to the scientists and is like, jelly beans cause acne. They're like, scientists, go investigate. And so the scientists go investigate, and they come back, and they say, nope, jelly beans do not cause acne. And then the public is like, wah, 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 you know, this, is, this can't be true. And then they come back, and they say, okay, here's, here's what it is. 
It's only certain colors of jelly beans that do cause acne. And so they say, scientists, go test it out. And so now the scientists, they're like, okay, let's go test it out. And so they test every color, right? They're like, let's test blue, let's test purple, let's test cyan, let's test yellow, let's test orange, let's test green, and so on. And they're all coming back negative. Uh, none of them are related to acne until the green one is, okay? And then the green one is positive. And then they go back and there's a bunch of other jelly bean colors that they're testing and they're all coming back negative. So they tested 20 different flavors and the green one was significant. And then the next day, the, there's a big old newspaper headline and it's like 95% confident that green jelly beans cause acne. <laughs> okay. And so amazing, right? And so you need to be wary of research studies that do a million and one checks. Okay. There, there is some ways to correct for this. But when you test so many different variables, they call it data mining, you can data mine to find significant findings and then build a story around that, okay? And there's a huge, huge business incentive to do this. And the way to force a false positive is to just test enough things. <sighs> I hate it. <laughs> so there is a way to protect yourself from this. One is there There are some statistical equations that can be used to correct for this. You can set your p-value a little bit lower. You can say, oh, I want to see a p-value of less than uh, 0 0.01. So that means that you're 99% confident instead of 95% confident. But really the best way to protect yourself is to see that your results, that same result has been replicated a bunch of times by different labs. So the green jelly bean example, you know, I would want to see multiple labs come back with a positive that green jelly beans do cause acne because then you can be exponentially certain that it is a legitimate positive rather than a false positive. So that is all for today. Thank you for listening to my rant. I really appreciate it. My main takeaways from this are one, don't let industry design research studies, let the PhDs handle it. And two, really look for replication of results. Any single result from a lab doesn't mean anything. You need to see it be replicated somewhere else, okay? And in that way, you can protect yourself and you can call BS on the supplements that are being marketed to you. So protect yourself. Don't get swindled. That's all for today. I hope you enjoyed listening. Thank you so much for sticking with me for one full year. It's it's uh, been been a pleasure on my end. If you have any other questions or concerns or anything that you want me to address or talk about, I'm more than happy to do it. I love talking about this stuff. If you want to reach out to me, my email is caseythomasrd at gmail.com. More than happy to reply back and talk nutrition, answer any questions you have, or just say hello even. And the one ask I have is if you have found any value at all in these episodes, please share it with a friend. I am trying to grow it and you sharing it with someone will go a long way to helping me do that. All right. Thanks for letting me get that off my chest. Take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.